You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is Michael Litchens, your faithful editor and host here once again with two brothers from the Dominican Order. And we've had brothers from the Dominican Order here several times before. And you might be wondering why I do that. One, I just happen to like the order. The second reason is because the Dominican Order is celebrating their 800th Jubilee anniversary this year. And for all of you who are wondering about that or what on earth is a it is about this order that I like so much. I have two brothers here from Washington, D.C. I have Brother Timothy Danaher and Brother Joseph Martin here today. Brothers, welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Thank oh, you, Michael. Thank, thank you very much, Michael. Oh, it's my pleasure. And just so everyone can kind of understand which voice is talking, everyone's familiar with my voice. But would you two just briefly introduce yourselves so we can get a feel for your voice and name? Yeah, sure. I'm Brother Joseph. I hail originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I went to school at Notre Dame, and yeah, I'm very happy to be here, and I'm happy for this, yeah. Welcome. This is the voice of Brother Timothy Danaher speaking. Everyone out there can identify my voice with my person. Thank you. Uh, I'm from actually really close to Brother Joseph. I'm from Steubenville, Ohio, originally, and I went to school there for college at Franciscan University. I moved around a bit uh, before entering the order, but we're both really from Steel Valley, so. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> okay. And yet you have very different accents, which amazes me. Okay. San Francisco, you know, it's not ah. international, something interesting, Steel Towns. Okay. And now, brothers, I guess the question that will be on everyone's mind is, what is a Jubilee and why are you having 800 of them? <laughs> <laughs> so, a uh, I, another synonym for Jubilee is anniversary, right? It's just yes. a mark either. Typically, Jubilees are 25, 50 or more years. And simply, we mark 800 years because 800 years ago to this date, um, Pope Honorius basically had officially approved and begun the Dominican Order. So the same work with the same sort of style and character and mission that began back then, It's we're excited to say 800 years later, we're still... One order, we're still here, we're still we're still busy with that work is the best way to put it. Yep. So Yes, absolutely. That's eight hundred years. I mean that's pretty impressive. Can you tell us a little bit? Let's just start right at the beginning. Who is Saint Dominic and what makes his order so different from the rest? <laughs> yeah, so Saint Dominic began as a priest in Spain. He lived a rather quiet life. He was just a guy who seemed to like books a lot and prayed a lot. Uh, and then he went out on a mission with his bishop. And actually, it was a mission to help arrange a royal marriage. And on the way there, he saw uh, the state of the church in southern France at the time. And it wasn't looking too good. There was a lot of people uh, just falling away from the faith. And this really moved him. And you almost get the feeling he went from being a very quiet, introspective fry, um, priest to now sort of having this great turning outwards. From that point onwards, he gives his life to really bringing all those who are turning away from and falling away from the Catholic faith and trying to convince them, not by heavy-handed, you know, you got to do this because the Pope says so, but by speaking to their hearts, to their desires, uh, to their minds, speaking on, um, on equal terms, and essentially bringing the fire of the Holy Spirit. And that's and that's what he gave his whole life to, and that's what drew countless men and, and women to follow him. 
Yeah, another thing I would add about St. Dominic is that he doesn't immediately jump off the page like most people would maybe have heard the name but not know exactly who he is. I mean, there are no statues of him in, in bird baths like St. Francis, who I love, you know. And not everybody's, you know, heard of him, such as yes. Francis Xavier or Ignatius um, of Loyola. It's, it's two interesting points that I like to make are first that one of the earliest books written by Dominicans, the most popular book at the time, instead of being a biography of the founder, the most popular book was called uh, The Early Lives of the Brethren. And so from the beginning, the Dominican tone was this is a group of men who, who share this calling together. And Dominic was very much the community man, very much behind the scenes. I mean, he wanted to be a missionary to Eastern Europe, to the pagan cultures, and he never got to because he spent most of his time setting up the order. And that kind of leads into the second point that not only is Dominic a community man, but I think so much of his personality and what he valued goes into the charism. I mean, three points that I think were part of the original charism, which is to be preachers, order of preachers, I think three essential points are identical today. I mean, times have changed and the situation in the church has changed. But those three points, just to list them briefly, the first would be a real commitment to learning and to have an education as a part of your preaching and as a part of your, basically your prayer life as well, a whole life based on what we call today lifelong learning. I mean, Dominic, in the first year of approbation of the order, sent all of his friars, nearly all of them, to the universities of Europe. It's the first place he wanted them. And that's where they first started to recruit. Uh, the first Dominican recruits were a lot of professors and students. The second mark of the Dominican charism, I think, which is just the same today, is that Dominican order was born out of the current and contemporary needs of the church. And that's really our charism now is order of preachers, not preaching to whom we want. It's preaching to the church's needs, where the church says we should preach. And the last one, too is not just this outward learning, outward preaching for the service of the church. I mean, we also have a common life. You know, we're, we're basically half monastic, half active. And the nice thing about that, which was very brand new at the time, and this is Dominic's very carefully crafted legislation, is to ensure that we have this real common life of prayer and silence and study and fraternal love. But that's always combined with an active life. And so it's really... We live that life still. That's the exciting thing is we live in religious communities, but we go out. We try to serve the needs of the church and we try to advance in learning. And that, that's basically Dominic. You know, you could look at the laters, Thomas Aquinas, Catherine of Siena, but that's that's Dominic's vision. You know, you see him in the charism. You absolutely do. And I, you see it in many of the saints as well. I think a lot of people wonder about is you guys are called the order of preachers. I'm, sure. That's the English translation of your name. A lot of people associate preaching with a Protestant idea. So do you think there's still a need in the Catholic Church for the preaching? No, absolutely that the order was not. Upon? <laughs> I didn't think really so either. That's why I asked the no, question. We need to stay inside and stay safe. Absolutely. Think about Battlestar Galactica whenever those guys start preaching. I that's think that's you. why we have the 800 years of the Dominicans. It's not because we've always been good at it. Uh, but that we've always needed preachers, especially for these past 800 years. It's a constant need. Um, I mean, I saw it before I entered that you, it's almost like the analogy of when you photocopy photocopies of photocopies and you lose the real, um, you get pixelated basically. You lose the clarity of the truth of the faith. And that requires preaching. Every generation has to come to learn and love Jesus. And that's not just passed down through genetics. It's not just passed down 
through ambient culture. It takes the preaching that stirs the heart and stirs the mind as well uh, to understand Jesus, to know Jesus, to love Jesus. And that, yeah, that's the goal of preaching. Yeah. And I, I think you're right to start and to say that there is definitely a Protestant emphasis on preaching, and that Protestant emphasis is right. I mean, absolutely, uh, preaching is one of the essential elements of the Christian mystery, of Christian mission, of Christian life. And I think that, you know, people have different emphases. It is true that our charism in the church is focusing on preaching is sort of similar to that that Protestant closeness with the Word, and they, they could remind us in good ways of returning again to Scripture, praying with Scripture, preaching, caring about the proclamation, not to the detriment of the sacraments. You know, I mean, Vatican II talks very clearly of the two tables, the table of the Word, and then the yeah. table of the Eucharist, and it means that. And I mean, I, I, just to give a quick example from my life, I mean, the thing, as Brother Joseph was saying, the thing most precious in our lives is faith. You know, this this living relationship with Jesus Christ makes every difference. And not just in general, it makes difference every day and in every detail. And the fact is, I look at my own life, and I say, well, how, how did I, over 30-odd years of life, come to receive this gift? You know, I have to admit, in some way, there's something phenomenal and beyond my explanation of how I, 30 years later, have faith, you know, and so many, so many don't. And and I could say at least, yes, it was the sacraments, absolutely. But also through my experience, I have to say that there is a whole list of real people that in some way preached to me. They weren't Dominicans, all of them. Um, but there was always a list of people that they were the ones that had brought me the word of God. And realizing too, that's not just a mandate of Christ, go out and preach. It's the very instinct of falling in love with God in the first place, you have to tell someone about it. And so Dominicans have always seen our charism at the very central role of just what it is to be a Christian, Catholic, Protestant, whatever. Um, we're doing something that's towards the center. Can you explain that a little bit? What do you mean by towards the center? Towards the center of, I think, what is the basic Christian activity? You know, I think basic Christian activity is both contemplative and active. It deals with worship and it deals with proclaiming Christ. I mean, what did Christ do the first? When you look at the very beginning of the Gospels, you have the first miracle at the wedding feast of Cana, which is very Eucharistic. So already at the very beginning with baptism and Eucharist, Christ is already signaling this is going to be at the center of this new way of life. And then what does he do next? He proclaims the kingdom, you know, and he goes around for three years. And I think it's that. It's, it's word and sacrament, word and sacrament. And that's really... Dominic's vision was to was to refound in a new way for a new age the apostolic life, like the early church um, involved in, in both of those. I think it's not just Christianity; it's 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 in accordance with the rhythms of every human life. Is that there's work to be done, and then you come home and you have a place to rest and to be. And it's the same thing with preaching and ministering, and it's the same thing with worship, prayer silence, contemplation. I mean, the mixed life, we like to say, oh, Dominicans have a mixed life and we're so unique. Yeah, we have a unique style, we have a unique history. Um, but what we're doing is very central Christian elements that that every Christian in some way should be doing. Absolutely. We just try and do it together. The, the together part, I think, is the most interesting aspect of the Dominican life, because as you said, you have a mixed life where you're 
living in community, but you're also going out and doing parish ministry and doing the active work, or I'll see you guys at the March for Life, which is always an intriguing aspect to me. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly, I think, because people always ask me, it's like, hey, who are those guys who kind of dress like penguins? And I'm like, eh. (laughs) We raise our hands. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But about the order, one of the, I think, the most interesting things is that it's so diverse in how many vocations it can include when you say you have a Dominican vocation, whether it's the contemplative life or the scholarly life, or you're going to be Thomas Aquinas or Catherine of Siena or a little mixture of both. Uh, What do you see the Dominican order's big goal right now, 800 years later? One quick response I would have is especially ministry towards students, Mm -hmm. college ministry especially. It's not that we exclusively do that. We, We have parishes because, as I said at the beginning, we try to serve the needs of the church, and the needs of the church still remain at the parish level. But Dominicans, I, I really think, are especially suited to serve a new need of the church is that Catholics that leave their parish and leave their home and are going off to college, which is actually, I mean, a very recent phenomenon yes. in universal education. I mean, we're talking about 60 years, if that, you know. And so I look at that as a first step that we're excited about. There's more to be said, but we're especially excited about saying at the very beginning of our history, we were sent to universities. And now, especially in the 21st century, there's another great call to return to university life and to be Catholic priests and friars, a part of that culture. You know? And I think building off that, too, we're dealing with uh, a new situation where we have so many adults who have co- college educated. And now, for the first time in a while, the, the lady are sometimes smarter than the priest, you know, which is something that was just unthinkable back in the day. And I think there's a need for intelligent preaching that not just moves the emotions, that's mm-hmm. good, but that can really engage the intellectual side of things. And I think that's where Dominicans have a special gift. Um, you see especially a lot in RCIA classes where Dominicans can lead RCIA. And you have intelligent people coming in, uh, but they don't, they're intelligent in other areas. And they, want, they know that things should be reasonable, but they don't know how reason works with the truth of the faith. And they're a little bit tired of just sort of being told not to think too hard about it as a mystery. Um, and that's sort of just unsatisfying. I think Dominicans and, and other people as well, but I think Dominicans, especially with the contributions of St. Thomas Aquinas, can sort of be like, yeah, it's, it is a mystery, but we can talk about it. There are things, there are, there's reasonable discourse we can have to, to further digest this mystery and to to know it more. So the university life, it's kind of come full circle where you guys are going back to the universities now, just like you did at the beginning. Right. And as and as well as just to reiterate mm-hmm. Brother Joseph saying it's it's the university life. It's it's interesting that a lot of the most progressive and experimental ideas of culture are now happening a lot of times in the university setting. It's kind of like the practice ground. Not only there, it's happening in political discourse, it's reaching its way to so many different things. But I mean, it really goes without saying that the last century has been one of marvelous and rapid complexity. I mean, we are living in a more complicated world than I I really think than ever in history. And if there was ever a time for those who, who have the most precious thing in life, which is the living faith, faith, hope, and charity, and the living God, which is what humans are made for, then we really, of all times in history need to be very intelligent, very detailed, work on wisdom to try and articulate and defend this perennial truth, which is God's love for us, his attention to us, his, 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 his offer of communion in a very complex setting. And the university setting, I think, 
is, is one feature of that complex setting. But that's why Dominicans likewise are trying to have a voice in the public square. Mm -hmm. They're likewise trying to public in academia itself. And they're, they're likewise on a parish local level. And I just said a parish, I mean, with our friends, with our family. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like these questions come up with regular people sure. all the time. I mean, we, we go sit down and open our emails and you have a Dominican demand right there by somebody throwing you some curveball questions and you're thinking, this isn't easy, <laughs> you know, but someone has to try. Someone has to be up to the task of, of giving some reasoned answer, not the perfect explanation, but a reasoned answer of the faith, faith and reason. Yeah. Obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys are also involved in, at least in D.C., in street evangelization now as well, right? Right. Oh, yeah, Brother yeah. Joseph here, played, he played cymbals in Notre Dame. Right, right. Band. I know I've seen pictures of this. And so if you look at the pictures, he is the redhead on the street at Christmas time who's got the djembe. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> we go out and do some street evangelization. Brother jo Joseph's a drummer. I play banjo and yeah, guitar yeah. and some other things. But the cool concept there is, is you know, it's actually really hard to come up with creative ways of, of talking to people that don't come to your house, mm -hmm. you know, or don't come to your church. It's like, well, how do you reach out? Because you don't just walk into public and try to talk because that's feels like soliciting immediately even, even if you whether you're trying to sell something whether you're in trouble whether you're trying to talk about the faith nobody really in big cities oh, likes yeah, to stop yeah, yeah. so well, that's just one small effort and there are others of trying to plug into another scene which is street performance mm -hmm. you know which which makes people stop so we'll go with the group of brothers sisters sometimes with lay people as well and about half of us will perform music christmas caroling or even other times of the year and the other half will be there because once people stop to listen to the music, to beauty, to some sort of entertainment, then the next thing they automatically want to know is, who are sure. you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're dressed in bed sheets. <laughs> you know? This is the weirdest folk band I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if they sing songs that we know, that we're familiar with, then we stop. Yeah, yeah. It's like, who are you that sort of seem like me and yet seem very unlike me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just like the comparison between university parishes or university evangelization and street evangelization sure. it's like kind of covering the whole gamut of how we reach out to people there yeah. the only thing i think you guys aren't doing is doing a variety show at this point but not to give you any ideas <laughs> but yeah. yeah just give us time yeah. don't challenge us, michael don't challenge us. <laughs> radio city 2017 you know. i'll look forward to it all right and to switch gears uh bring this down to a little more personal level what attracted you to specifically to the dominican life Oh, and if you just say God, I will have to tell you the other brother said that too. So okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the easy <laughs> answer. I, I think it was um, for me. It was reading a biography of Saint Dominic, and just feeling um, what the, like simpatico. You say it in Italian. There's like feeling that like my heart clicking with his heart. Because um, before I read that, I, I had spent a year in Ireland with Net Ministries doing um, high school retreats and traveling around. And I had this great desire to preach and this desire to, you know, live a poor life to give my whole self to Christ. And I didn't know what to do with that. And obviously now you see the punchline. Um, but I didn't know at the time. So I just started praying Novena St. Joseph and then coming across St. Dominic. Um, and just feeling like, man, this, this is what I want to do with my life. And, and again, the beauty that the fact that what St. Dominic began is still going, sure, with some changes, but for the most part, really what his mission was. Uh, I think that attraction to St. Dominic is what brought me here. 
uh, and the desire to follow Christ the way he followed Christ. Uh, this Brother Timothy here, um, for my part, um, I think it's interesting. My second phase had to do with St. Dominic himself. I mean, I, when I was in the novitiate at the very end of that year, I read the biography, uh, the longest biography written by Vicaire, which is a French Dominican and it's way too many hundred pages. <laughs> and my, my basic sentiment coming away from that book was Dominic was a man who really just loved his, his brothers and considered them as, as his first gift. And even though they were different from one another. So it was kind of a second thing for me that the big lesson Dominic taught me and continues to teach me is that these men living in my own house are very much a part of my, my calling in life. You know, I mean, I'm to find God there. I'm to learn love of neighbor there. I'm to make mistakes there and then learn forgiveness as well. So that's really the love of the brothers was kind of the second phase for me. And that was very much associated with St. Dominic. Um, the first thing for me was more this love of Christ and this fascination with wanting to follow him, know him, love him, be satisfied by only Christ. And when I was at the end of college years, I had this come out of the blue and I was in a dating relationship and it just, it was so overwhelming that I realized it's, I, I identified as a call to the priesthood first. And then I thought, well, there are about 7,000 varieties of priesthood. What do I want to do? And so I gave that some time. And why I joined the Dominicans in the first place is, is simply put because I met Dominicans. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of my good friends from college, Brother Gregory Pine, ended up entering the Dominicans. He told us about that as his college friends. And I was just like, who are the Dominicans? You know, he yeah, told me yeah, about yeah. them. And then meeting more Dominicans, it was just the current lived example of these men got me interested, got me attracted to them. I moved out to San Diego, California right after college, and it just so happened that Dominicans were running the nearby campus ministry and the university parish at UCSD. And it was a repeated number of experiences that said, you know what, it's not just an idea that I want to join or a charism up in the sky. I want to join, at least try out this group of guys who I've met a number of them, and it seems like we might get along. You know, I mean... It took time, but, but it, was, it was very concrete at the time, saying, I think I could get along with these guys. And that was immediately confirmed by their rhythm of life when I entered the novitiate. My student years, the rhythm of life that they led, it fulfilled that first need, that, that, that daily closeness with Christ. I went to bed most nights thinking, I am more of a friend of Christ daily here than I was before. Yeah, yeah. And then only later did it, that really, the love of neighbor, the love of my brothers kick in, but that took time. I mean, that's why they give you formation years, plural, um, because these things are a whole new family, mm -hmm. a whole new attitude of life, a whole new society, really. I mean, it's like joining a different world. Sure. Way. And then jumping between worlds in ministry and then visiting your family. And yeah, yeah. we feel like we're living in many worlds at once, but I've come to love this. And, um, but it took time. Certainly. On that subject, uh, rhythm of life, can you tell me what does the rhythm of life as a Dominican brother look like? <laughs> we, we wake up and the first thing we do is breathe. Good. <laughs> we put our tunics on one arm at a time. I remember even telling my brother, you know, he said, is it really different? I said, well, it is different when I first entered, but I'm still eating Cheerios for breakfast. You know, it's not, not everything in the rhythm of life changes. We don't survive on heavenly food it's, yeah yeah it's basic the basic rhythm of life really is just pray eat 
pray, eat, pray, eat, and then sleep. <laughs> and somewhere in there, we also go to class where you do ministry and you study and you spend time with brothers. But prayer and eat go to, and eating go together. It's so much so that when I go back home, my, my mom's cooking a delicious dinner. I have to like pray before I, I have to, like, this is Vespers time because like, I have to pray before I eat. If I mess that up, then I'm just confused the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to tag on to Brother Joseph, if we make an anatomical reference, it's like the skeleton of our life are these, are these set times that in the, in the very beginning of the morning, we have morning prayer and mass. Midday is rosary and midday prayer. Evening is vespers and office of readings. Compline is basically night prayer. And then right after each of those prayers, so right after mass, we have breakfast. Right after midday prayer, it's lunch. Right after dinner is, is, is I'm sorry, right after vespers is dinner. And then right after Compline, you would think we'd go to bed, but there's a small <laughs> group of brothers that have cereal at night. So <laughs> it's funny, we have this rhythm. But there are the in-between times. Yeah, we could yeah. call it the rest of the biological systems, you know. And those in-between times, and so, I mean, I don't, I've never thought of this analogy. This is totally winging it. But you think, <laughs> where does our blood come from? Blood which carries all the nutrients through the human body. Well, it comes from the bones. It's a weird thing to consider that bones produce blood, but they do. And so those two times of basically prayer together and then meals together where you really catch up on your day, I mean, that really is the lifeblood. Yeah, and that's the whole structure, and it holds it like a skeleton. The rest of it really is we have a mixture of class, as Brother Joseph said. We go out and do ministries. All of us brothers, even while we're full-time students studying for the priesthood, have outside ministries that we do. Um, and then there's also just fraternal time and tasks, and it's, it's everything from traveling across the country to give a talk to just answering emails. I mean, it's very distant and very local. But we're just trying to do either do the work of the church or prepare for the work of the church, which is study, which is, you know, recreation with each other. So it's, it's a good rhythm of life. It's the same thing every day. My mom always calls every weekend and says, so what's new this week? And she's a Catholic school principal and has lists of this person did this and my kids did this. And you have to pray for your aunt and your uncle because of this. She says, so what's going on with you? And I'm just like, well... It's a lot has happened, and yet because it's yeah, the same yeah, structure, yeah. it's like I don't know. It's just the same, the same good thing. Yeah, I had this at the March for Life where I see a lot of my friends who have you know went all, all over the United States, and you know they they share with me like how their marriage is going, they have a new kid, all these stories, and then then they say, well, how's it going for you? I'm like, well, I'm praying and I'm eating, and I think some other stuff too, but. You know, nothing that fancy. <laughs> I think th this is a little bit aside from the question, but I, I think there's a particular sorrow and a particular limit to all religious and all priests. And I would say it is this, is that so much of actually what's most precious in your life, you can't just readily share with others. Yeah. You know, like if I, if I sit down with some college friends, they're just like, oh, yeah, let me tell you some funny stories our toddler did. And we also got you know, to go to Los Angeles on a vacation, we saw this and we saw that. Whereas for us, it's like, you know, the things that matter, you're not going to go and, and tell your friends right away to say, oh, I had this moment in prayer when I was reading Psalm 22, you know, and you did have a moment and it really mattered. Or you would say, my brother and I over this past week, we had some tension, but we had this great reconciliation. Or you wouldn't say, well, I was at ministry and, you know, this person came up to me and shared that they're having trouble sleeping at night and they're scared and they're a teenage kid and, how, and the advice you gave them or somebody else that had a really personal problem and you talk them through that and ministered. There's so much that's so precious and yet it's not 
readily shared, you know. I mean, yeah. appropriately. But it, it's funny where there's, there's a lot you just kind of keep in your heart. And that's just how it goes. Certainly. Certainly. And I, for our last question for tonight, because we're running out of time talking about eating and praying, my two favorite things in the world <laughs> to do. Um, yep. For uh, anyone who's, this might be their first time really hearing about the Dominican Order, where would you say is a good place to start to learn more about the Order? There are a number of places. So I, I just did a, a book review for a book that Sophia Institute had published. And I, I really think it's excellent. Dr. Kevin Vost wrote a book, Hounds mm-hmm. of the Lord. And Hounds of the Lord is, ex- is excellent in two ways. Basically, it gives you the story of the foundation of the order. And then it goes on to talk about what happened later. You know, And everybody in there is relatable. And that's sort of the story according to the saints of the order. I mean, I think it's an excellent book. So anybody listening, look it up. And I'm not just – Michael didn't tell me to say that. Thank you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I, but I think it's an absolutely great place to first start. And the second place I would say as well is um, there are a number of things you could find online if you wanted to, to learn about. You know, like our, our own website for the Eastern Province has a, has a history of the order and there are other books. And that's – you could look those up. But I would say that I would first look – Dominicans are in most cities. You know, yeah. if anybody listening yeah. is in a certain city – Look up your local Dominicans. I mean, we're all across the United States in four different provinces. The best, really the best way to get to know the Dominicans isn't just reading about them. It's going to their churches, going to their places, and meeting a real face, a real person wearing a white habit. And if you're courageous enough, introduce yourself. Most of them can, you know, speak well, and they're kind, (laughs) and they don't bite, Certainly. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you very much. And for anyone who's listening that might like to pick up Hounds of the Lord, uh, you can uh, see listeners are going to get 35% off by typing in CE35 on SophiaInstitute.com. And brothers, thank you so much for joining us here and telling us a little bit about your lives, about your praying, your eating, your path to sanctity. It's all been good to hear. Thank you so much. We're still human, Michael. (laughs) All too human. It makes me feel much better about my habits, believe me. Thank you. (laughs) I love you all. Have a wonderful night. Thank you. Take care.